Hello friends, I want to welcome you to our latest podcast talk. This is Pastor Marco. Listen, uh, we love to have you come hang out with us live. If you've never been, if you live in the area, we have two services, Saturday 6 p.m. and Sunday 10 a.m. And if you have kids, we have incredible children's ministry for all ages. And don't forget to check out our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. We believe this message is going to encourage you, but also challenge you in your walk with God. Now, uh, is how do we separate uh, the superstition and keep asking God for a sign? Like, is it superstitious to keep asking for God to give you a sign? Well, God said clearly that his people will live by faith, right? So, so we have to understand that God has principles already laid out for his people, right? So God might give you signs here and there, but the reality is he said, my people will live by faith. And what is faith? Faith is the evidence of things we haven't seen. It is the substance of things we hope for. And he says it is impossible to please God without faith because you have to believe that he's there, right, the truth, and that he rewards those who seek him. Right? So, nothing wrong with persevering in prayer and persisting in something, but you don't have to keep asking God for a sign. He's already given you plenty of signs. Every time you see a cross, that's a sign. God already told you, I love you, I'm for you, I went to the cross on your behalf. So, so you got to embrace what he's already said, you know, and then trust him by faith that, he, that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. That's awesome. Um, when you are seeking to experience God... Uh, but your, your spouse is not. What, what do you do? How do you balance God's house in, in the home? Well, again, this is why it's important to know what God has already said about these things. God said this. If you are saved, right, the best way to win your spouse is by your example. Right? It's not forcing him or her. You know, it's trying to not manipulate them. You know, it's you letting your life speak for itself. Right? Because the truth is, whether they tell you or not, they already feel weird about it because they know something's happened with you, right? And can I just give you an insight into human psychology? The louder people are, the more insecure they are. When people tell you stuff like, oh, church and all that, it's like they're actually asking questions about it. But because we're not in tune with that stuff, we just like, we fight right back. <laughs> yeah, I tell you about your, you know. <laughs> and then you lose them. You know, it's your example. You know, the Bible says that the, 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 a, a safe spouse can sanctify their home. Like, you can bring holiness into your house, right? And pray for your, hus- your husband and your wife, right? Because if you, if you guys met and got married before you got saved, it's not his fault that you got saved before he did or her, you know? And so you have to stand the gap for him or her, right? That's your, that's your calling. Church starts at home, right? And so pray every day for your, for your significant other to come to faith. And we see it all the time. You know, we've seen it all the time. I've been in church for 20 years. I've seen it. God do it again and again. It may take some time, you know, but if you're faithful in your prayer life, you're faithful in showing your life as a living testimony, let that speak for itself. And every chance you get to to speak with them about it, go for it. But don't force anything, right? This thing is not a forced thing. It's it's an invitation, right? You don't say, you better come to my party, you know. You invite someone. Uh, to your party. And God's inviting us. It's an invitation. So you keep that invitation open. What about with kids, you know? Um, how, how, like, how should a parent approach seeking and, and putting things in place for their, for their kid to experience God without seeming overbearing? Again, I, I believe this, that it's you and your life that they're looking at. Kids are very smart. They know if it's real to you. They know if you really believe in this stuff or not. 
right? So your life is already speaking something to them. Every day, the way you talk with them, the way you interact with others, the way that you go about your, your daily affairs, your kids are picking up those things, right? So your, your, your testimony is the greatest thing that you're, you're passing on to your kids, right? Now, as far as developing things in the house, that's totally up to every family. You know, we decided that we're not going to be the family that every day we have to pray together, every day we have to read. No, we said we're going to take it as it goes. We want it to be an organic thing where our kids feel comfortable with us growing together in this thing, right? The beautiful thing is because they see in, in, in us, they want it. You know, they always ask me questions. Dad, I'm reading this, and I don't understand this, and, and what do you think about this? And I told you guys about the, 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 the YouTube channel, Bible Project, beautiful, powerful small videos that we, we just pray and say, we, we, we put it on and we say, kids, what do you think? That's how we do it. That's how we have devotionals. You know, it's like, hey, let's watch this. Let's talk about it. You know, and then we pray with them. You know, you can't pray for your kids enough. You know, just every time you get a chance to pray with them, you know, you create an atmosphere in their lives. You know, so when they begin to have their own understanding, they're like, oh, man, that makes sense to me because I saw that in my mom or my dad. Not, you know, they put on a front for me because kids will know if it's real or not. Right. If you're coming to church on Sunday, but you're not bringing church home, they know. You know, and so right now it's about catching you. You're their faith, quote unquote. Oh, man, that's so good. Um, let, let's switch gears here a little bit. Um, when it comes to following God's will, how do you discern uh, the voice of God from yourself and your own thoughts? And, and, and how do you know when to take that next step? Well, God speaks through many ways, right? And, but one of the key ways that God speaks is through our conscience, right? Because he gave us his spirit already, right? So when you get saved, what happens is your, your, your divine conscience is awakened. That's why now you're like, oh, man, this makes so much sense because it's been awakened. Everybody has it, right? Yet last night at the funeral home, what happened is some of the conscience got awakened to the reality of God, right? And so it's there. So the key is I need to feed my divine conscience because the more I do that, the more I'm able to be in tune with that voice, right? This is why the Bible says to renew your mind, right? Because the more I'm, I'm re- how do I renew my mind? It says by the word, right? The more I'm putting this into me, the more it's going to come out of me. And the more I'm going to know, like, this is the truth, right? What do they do at the bank when they're teaching someone to, to work with money? They, they help them discern what's a fake currency from real. And what I heard is that they spend so much time with the real, it's easy to discern what's fake, right? The problem is a lot of times I see people reverse that. They spend so much time with fake. Of course, you're going to have a hard time just responding to the real. And what do I mean by that? It's what you feed yourself on a day-to-day basis, right? If you're not in here every day, right, but you're feeding yourself something else, you got, this could be foreign to you. That's why some people come to church and they're like, I don't get it. Well, because you don't feed your divine conscience to get it. You're feeding your spirit, your, your flesh, the side of you that's still selfish, ego, prideful, egotistic, you know, all about myself and I. And then you're wondering, how can I go serve the city? Because you're not feeding that divine conscience in you. And so it, it's all about what you're feeding yourself, right? Meditation is the same word for seeping, right? How many tea lovers do I, I love tea, right? What do you do? You, you grab a tea bag and you seep it in the water, right? And you let it sit for a couple of minutes. And what happens? The tea permeates the water. That's the p- picture that God gives us of what it means to renew your mind. You seep your mind into the word of God, then it comes out of you, right? That's the key, you know? That's awesome. 
I'm like getting hit off over here. I don't know about you guys. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Next question. How, how can we share our experience with God in a practical way without being weird to others? The greatest thing that you have going for you is your life. Your testimony is the greatest thing you have for you. No one can refute your experiences. Right? So, so the greatest thing that you can do when you're talking to people, share your experiences. You may not know everything about the Bible, but you know what God has done for you. Right? If you can own that, that's your, that's your platform. Your life is your platform. Right? So when you go to work and you want to experience God at work, the key thing is your attitude is the, is the thermostat of your life. In other words, if you go to work with a negative mindset every day, I don't want to be here every day, guess what? You're not going to experience anything other than the negative stuff that you already sowed, right? But if you go into it that, man, God is with me on Monday, he's with me on Tuesday, he's with me on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and he wants not just to be with me, but he wants to work through me. So I go into my workplace. Now, let me say this about your workplace. It may not be where you're going to be forever, but that's where you are right now. It's about embracing your season and where you are. Because everybody's daydreaming about where they want to be, but forgetting that if you don't work on where you are right now, you're never going to go to where you want to be. So that in itself is a message. And so, and so I go into a workplace with that mindset, God, I'm here for a reason. Right? Over the years, I've, I've had many odd jobs. I've seen God work in all those jobs. Because I went with it with that mindset, Lord, I'm here for a reason. There's someone here you want me to be a blessing to. Right? And so it's not going to happen over time, overnight, but over time, you begin to see things begin to happen. People begin to notice that there's something different about you. Why? Because they're not so concerned with what you're saying to them. They're looking at your life. They want to see, like, are you, is this for real? Because what do they do? The moment you do something that doesn't look like Christianity, what do they say? Oh, I thought you were. And you're like, I thought you weren't watching or listening. <laughs> And, and the same people that sometimes make fun or mock you for being, you know, a Christian and whatnot, are the same people who will come to you and say, can you pray for me when something's going on? Right? So, so if I'm living that every day with my attitude and with my action, God is going to bring people to me. Right? And every time you get a chance to share with someone, just share your experiences. Don't exaggerate. And don't be that weird, over-the-top Christian. Here's what I mean. Talk like you talk to people. Like, don't go with, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus, glory to God. No, just have a conversation with someone. Build relationships. People are more prone to listen to you when they know you care about them. Right? And here's another thing I want to say. We're going to do a series on this, but the goal is not I have to get you to think like me. The goal is to just have a conversation about this God that loves all of us. So people get frustrated when people don't respond the way they want them to respond. But it's like people are not robots. Let God do that. You just be consistent. And every time you get a chance, share. But don't overshare. Share as long as they want you to share. That's another thing that people get frustrated. Oh, they don't listen. It's like, well, it's not a forced thing. If there's an opportunity, share. But if they stop, stop. You know, like I only go as far as people want us to go. We have an office right next door from us. We talk to them all the time. We love it. I love talking to people about God. But it's like, I'm going to go as far as you want me to go. Right? And if, you're, if you start getting, feeling comfortable, okay, how's the Red Sox? 
That's good. Um, how do we move past our shame and guilt when, when trying to experience God in the day-to-day? It's so interesting that that's one of the toughest things that human beings go through because the enemy, there's an enemy that would love for you to stay stuck in your past. Right? And the Bible says this about the enemy. It says he's the accuser. So the Holy Spirit never comes to shame you or accuse you. You know, that, that's the enemy. He wants you to stay where you were. So you got to discern that right away, that God will never speak to you like that. That's the first thing you need to realize. God will never shame you. God exposes us because he wants to heal us. The enemy wants to shame you to keep you in your misery. So discern that. That's not God's will. Right? And so... All of us are on a journey. All of us have things we're not proud of. But that's the beauty of salvation. God has rescued you from your past. Right? And so the accuser, you need to pinpoint that and say, wait, that's not God. I need to respond to the voice of grace. Because if you, sp- if you stop long enough, you will hear the voice of grace. That still small voice says, no, you're worthy. Because, because I made you worthy. Because you're forgiving. You're justified. You're accepted. You know, you belong. One of the things we're working hard at this church to do is everybody belongs. Right. Right? There's no one here that's better than the next person. The, the cross levels the playing field. We're all on the same playing field. What's interesting in scriptures, the people who've been forgiven the most had most to worship. So use those things to be filled for your worship. It's like, man... Yeah, I did some crazy things, but, man, that gives me more reason to worship Jesus. Because the Bible says those who are forgiven much have much more to worship God for. So use that as fuel for the fire and, and remind the enemy of his future as he reminds you of your past. You know, you got to confess God's word over your life. This is the moment where not to let your feelings dictate. you got to let your faith rise above your feelings and say, no, I'm a child of God. I've been forgiven. My past is redeemed. I'm a new person. I may not be there yet, but I'm on my way. Go ahead and give like five seconds of praise real quick. <laughs> so we, we, we've talked about how God, uh, we can experience God through circumstances. Um, someone's asking, how do we uh, discern if we're just self-inflicting like tough situations or if it's a circumstance that God's putting us through to experience it? That's a very good question. I think it's important. I, was, I just talked about this the other day. Self-evaluation is so critical. Once in a while, as busy as life is, I need to stop and do some self-evaluation. Because when I'm, when I'm stopping to self-evaluate, the Holy Spirit will reveal those things. You know, the things that you're self-inflicting and the things that is just circumstances of life, right? But you don't, you don't get to discern that if you don't stop. You know, the word pause, selah, you've got to stop, right? We all need the break in life to say, where am I? What's going on with me? Like, a life not examined is not worth living. You've got to examine where you are, right? And where you are is, is a sum of circumstances and self-inflicted stuff, right? So you've got to discern that and say, okay... What is it that I need to take ownership for? And what is it that I need to surrender to God? That's just circumstances, you know. But that doesn't happen if you don't self-evaluate. 
Some people never stop. Here's what we do a lot of times. When we need to self-evaluate, we, we numb our minds. Come on. Can I tell you your greatest obstacle right now to growth is not the devil. It's the entertainment. What do we do when we're tired or stressed and we just say, I'll just watch another thing. I'm just going to numb my mind. Or I'll just have another, you know, whatever, your Kool-Aid, whatever it is that you use <laughs> to numb your mind. Not realizing that, man, you missed a great opportunity to do some self-evaluation with a clear mind. Right? Why is it that substance abuse is so powerful? Because it's clogging your mind. It's, it's not clearing your mind. Did you know this research shows that when you're drunk, actually what happens to your mind is your mind goes on this like autopilot mode. You're not forgetting anything. You're just hiding it because it'll resurface again. That's why people have to keep getting high because because the mind goes into this autopilot. Like just give me that and we'll be okay. But the truth is you're not going to be okay. You're just numbing your mind more and more. Now, some people have substance abuse. Some people, it's relationships. Some people have never stopped to say why Am I never okay with just being by myself a little bit? Why is it that I always have to have attachments? But if you don't do some self-evaluation, you will never realize that. You just go from relationship to relationship without realizing, wait, I've never been okay with being myself and alone. See, singleness could be one of your greatest seasons in life to grow for yourself. But you got to make room for that. You got to know yourself. Whether you're 20 or 45, this, you, you got to know who you are. If I experience God, but I don't pray the prayer yeah. at the end, am I safe? Absolutely. The reason why we do that every weekend is because we believe someone is in this room who needs to make that connection. But God is so unique that he reveals himself to all of us in unique ways. When I got saved, I was sitting in the back of the church. That's what you do when you're not interested, right? No, not you guys. I'm talking. <laughs> Smile and wave. I'm talking about me. But God met me all the way back there. And you know what I heard? I heard a voice say, you're living in vain. That was it. It broke me. I was crying like a baby. You know, ever had those Holy Spirit moments, snots everywhere. You're ruining your makeup. <laughs> so God will meet you exactly where you are in a unique way. The reason why we do that prayer is that we're saying, hey, someone here needs a chance to make that connection. But it may not be the way that everybody needs to come to God. You know, God is, God is unique, man. He'll reveal himself to all of us in a unique way. So embrace your own journey. Because, again, what's one of our greatest battles in life? It's comparison. We're always comparing ourselves to somebody else. Whether it's marriage or who has a bigger car or house or even spiritual experiences. How come I don't pray like her? Because you're not her. God loves you, and he has a prayer life for you. The way, you know. You got to fight to be you. I remember, like, when I started preaching, people were like, oh, you remind me of this guy. I'm like, no, no, I remind you of me. I'm me. I don't want to be in nobody else. I don't need that on me. Right? I just want to be who God created me to be and do it the way God called me to do it. And that's why we say to people, like, this, this, this church may be for you. It may not be for you because it may not be for everybody. So you got to discern that. Like, am I supposed to be in this place worshiping God in the way that he wants me to worship him? Um, so this is coming from a stay-at-home mom. Uh, she says, most days I don't get a chance or have the energy to read the Bible. 
I want to experience God at home, but get frustrated. What, any advice? Talk, talk to my wife. <laughs> no, for real. We talk about this a lot. You know, it's a lot of work. Which, by the way, you know, I've been working on a message about significance. That no matter where you are in life, there's a significance there. Like, as a stay-at-home mom, there's a, there's a powerful significance there. So don't diminish that. Embrace it. It's your season. It's the journey that God has for you. Not everybody gets a chance to do that. You know, and you don't know who you're raising. Right? God is trusting you to raise these babies that are going to do amazing things in life. You know? So, so embrace that, first of all. And then, and then you, 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 you begin to understand, okay, here's how my flow is at home. And so what works for me? So right now, you can ask my wife because we talk about this. What's working for her is... She will put our headphones on while she's doing housework, and she's listening to a podcast. Or you can listen to the Bible, you know, on, on audio. So there's ways that you can, can overcome the busyness of life, you know. And then maybe once a week, though, you, you carve out some time. And you, and you say, okay, God, today we're not going to do housework. We're just going to do soul work, you know. But every day you can, you can find ways. You know, I tell all the time when the kids nap, you nap. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is nap. <laughs> I'm serious. Some of y'all would be less grumpy <laughs> if you took a five-minute nap. <laughs> you know? So you got to work with where you are. But there's significance there. Again, don't let the enemy diminish where you are. Right? You, may not be in a, you may be in a job right now that you're like, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Fine, but embrace where you are and work towards where you want to be. Someone's asking, uh, this is a very challenging question. Um, so Wait, the other ones weren't? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> you're right, you're right. That's I'm not what I meant. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when it comes to our friends that, that may be homosexual or transgender, things of that nature, how can we uh, connect with them in a way to help them experience God? Don't look at them as homosexual, transgender. Look at them as human beings. Yeah. You know? I don't know what happened in society that all of a sudden we elevated that as the worst thing. All of us are on a journey. All of us. Right? Don't talk to people about what you think is wrong with them. Talk to them about who they are. You know, love them. Embrace them. I think, I think we think that if I embrace someone, I'm condoning them. I'm not condoning what they're doing. I'm, I'm loving you. Right. It's not my job to change you. Right? right? That's the Holy Spirit's job. Right. You know? And by the way, like, God created us male and female, right? Sexuality is part of God's plan. So talk about sexuality, part of God's plan, not that thing. Because right. you could be heterosexual and be out of God's will. If you're sleeping around, you're sinning. If you're married, you're, you're looking at someone who's not your spouse, you're sinning. So there's many ways to use your sexuality wrong. Come on. God has a purpose for our sexuality. Right? So that's what we need to talk to people about. Like who they are in Christ and, and what they could become. You know, not what, you know, don't talk to people about where they are. Talk to people about where they should be. But you got to love people in order for them to receive from you. Again, I hope that we can be a church where we can, we can disagree on lifestyles. But man, we are human beings. And we can still love each other and have a journey together here. And let God do the transformation. 
You know, it's funny. Just this week, we, someone next door from us <laughs> said this. You know, we were talking to her about church and Jesus and all that. She said, you know, some people don't like your church. And we're like, why? Well, because they said you let anybody in. <laughs> you know. And I'm like, listen, there's many things we're going to be accusing life. I want to be accused of the person that let anybody in. <laughs> you know. Smile and wave. <laughs> like, for real though, who are we to play God? Who are we? I was messed up. And God embraced me. And some days I'm still jacked up. And he still embraces me. So our message has always been, come as you are. And then let God transform you. I believe he loves you too much to leave you that way. He wants to transform you and make you the, the person that he always created you to be in every aspect. Your sexuality, your relationships, your money, your careers, all of it. I believe all of it. God wants to redeem all of it. Not just some of it. All of it. Amen. Amen. We got time for two more here. Um, you guys can come up. Uh, the first one would be, so we, we talk about this relationship with God as a journey. Now, how do we know where we are in that process just like a relationship. Is there some key indicators we can kind of take a look at to, to know this is where I stand with God to go to the next step? Well, this is where the self-evaluation comes into play. Because the person sitting next to you has a, their own season that they're going through. It may be look very different. This is what fascinates me about God's word. We preach it, but God knows how to customize it to every person. If you're paying attention, God's already said some things to you. Right? And so I have to do some self-evaluation. God, where am I? In my journey with you. Right? What's my next step? Because our next step for, for all of us here is different. Like for some of you today, your next step is to say, you know what? I've been here, but I haven't really asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Or I've been here, but I haven't taken the next step to be baptized. Or I've been here, but I haven't served. You know, like everybody has a next step. Right? I, I need to reconcile with somebody. You know, that's a next step for someone. That you're holding, you're, you're, you're holding to grudges and bitterness and anger. It's like God's like, man, I need you to release that. Release control. Right? So all of us, you have to discern and ask God, where am I? This is why I, I tell you every week, there's, the time where we end service is a time for introspection. Say, Lord, where am I? Because me and my sister here, we're two different people. Now, sometimes there's things that coincide but what I find is all of us are on a different journey. And God brings us all together and says, now here, here's your assignment. Here's your calling. Here, here's your next thing. All of us, I believe, God is saying something to us. What's sad is when we come together but we don't pay attention. That's the religion part. Where I just went and punched in my clock and punched out. That's what you don't want to do. You know, in 20 years, I feel like, man, I'm still just getting started. There's still more that God's revealing. So if you really want to grow, your greatest obstacle to growth is you thinking that you already know it all. If you're not teachable, you don't grow. Right? If you can't, this is why I love questions. You know what questions tells me? I'm wrestling. People with no questions concerns me. It's like, man, how do you have no questions? You're not growing. Right? You answered all of them. Or when... When we're preaching and we say, open your Bibles to John 3.16, you're like, I already know it. How do you know there's not another layer to it? 
How do you know there's not another thing that God wants to reveal? So if you, if you don't have a teachable spirit, you already stiff-arm knowledge and wisdom and growth. Right? Because it's those who are hungry. Jesus said that, blessed are those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness. Right? You got to be hungry to want to keep growing. Right? That's a prerequisite for growth is hunger. Like I need to be hungry to grow. Right? If I'm not hungry to grow, think about it, right? If I put a plate of food in front of you, you're like, I'm good. After a while, I'm not going to give you a plate of food. Right? The beauty of serving the people who are hungry, man, it's the humility and the gratitude that comes. See, the longer you are in church, the longer you run the risk of becoming ungrateful and entitled. Right? We need to keep a soft heart. To say, Lord, I, I don't want to lose that hunger and that passion to keep knowing you and to keep growing in you. Can you say amen? I want to thank you for listening today. And I want to encourage you to share this with someone who needs to hear about the love of God. And uh, hope to see you soon.